0: A great weekend this weekend. Um, well, a lot of, actually more than just one great thing happened this weekend. So we found out Friday that our fourth child is going to be a baby boy. So we're excited about that. I wanted a girl, but that's all right. We'll take a boy. I love him already. Ezekiel. We're going to call him Ezekiel Patrick Isaacs, and we'll probably call him Zeke. That's my grandfather's. Uh, we call my grandfather Zeke, so kind of honor him. So. Um, we didn't mean to go with the Bible names, uh, Solomon and Ezekiel, but we went with it, so what are you going to do? Um, so we found that out Friday, but what I was, what I want to tell you is this weekend was just an incredible time. We had our, our staff and elder retreat, and uh, we do that every January, and uh, went up to Oldenburg, Indiana. It was beautiful, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. No cell phone coverage, no internet. It was, uh, I think the first time in my life I went 48 hours without internet and cell phone, but uh, I want you to know this, you probably already know this, but your leadership, your staff, your elders, they love you. Like we spent two days together, we cried together, we laughed together, we prayed together, played together. Some of them got in a hot tub together. I mean, it was just a great weekend, but they love you. And to hear them talk about you and how they pray for you, their dreams for this church, their dreams for your life, we're just really blessed. I want you to know we are really blessed to have the elders and the staff that we have. Obviously, our staff, John, uh, Corey, Pastor John, Corey, Kim, serve on our staff, and then our elders are the Greenwood family, the McGuffey family, the Griffith family, and um, so I just wanted you to know that um, because you're lucky to have them, and so if you know any of the names that I just mentioned and you see them, give them a hug and tell them thank you for serving because they're awesome, all right? Um, also, I want to let you know this, we're going to talk about prayer today, and i um, It's January, so our church does 21 days of prayer and fasting, an emphasis for 21 days of prayer and fasting, and if you've never heard of that before or that's freaking you out to hear that, don't be freaked out. It's a Bible thing. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you pray, and, and he gave us something about that, and he said, when you give, and he talked about that, and he said, when you fast, and he talked about that. In other words, like in the life of a believer that... Praying, giving, fasting should just be a natural part of what we do. And so every January and August, we take 21 days to uh, to to focus in, really no other agenda, but then just to, to get to feel, draw, get, however you want to say, closer to God in those 21 days. And we encourage you, uh, as a great starting point, to do a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast is, uh, you can Google it online, there's lots of information out there, but the gist of it is, you only eat foods that grow out of the ground. So you give up all the, the sweet foods and the meats and the, uh, all the pleasure foods, if you will. And uh, so we just encourage you, hey, listen, give up those things and replace those things with time of prayer, focus on God. And uh, it's something we've done now for three years, and uh, it's just a huge part of what we do as a church. And so I want you to know that we're starting that officially today today. But a lot of people didn't know about it today, so you can obviously start tomorrow. But on your way out today on the back table, you can grab one of the calendars, and this is just a calendar that we use for some recommendations uh, to do certain things. We do, we want to push you out of your comfort zone a little bit, so a few single days we, we challenge you to fast, like not eat at all, just drink water uh, and pray. And then some other days we encourage you and challenge you to give up like your cell phone for 28 hours. Come on, somebody. Um your social media entertainment. And uh, so just take one of those calendars. And I just wanna encourage you to join with us, myself, staff, leadership, we're all doing this. A lot of you guys have done this with us every year now. And um, and so it's just, it's kind of become a part of who we are. And so I would love for you to get involved in that. If you have any questions, let me know. But the most important thing about all of it, uh, don't get sidetracked on any particular detail. The most important thing about all of it is you say, okay, for 21 days, I am going to aggressively Uh, pray more, sacrifice more, be in church more, read more, whatever it takes to just feel like that I'm drawing closer to God and being closer to God, all right? So I'm excited about that, and I thought what we would do today is we would talk about prayer. If we're gonna be starting 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, I thought we could talk about prayer and, and how to, I don't like this terminology, but I'll use it, how to pray better, how to pray better, how to feel like we are more effective in our prayers because all of us struggle with prayer in some way or another. All of us, uh, whether it's we prayed for somebody that we loved and they didn't get healed and they died, and then we felt like God didn't answer prayers or we were going through something and we needed God to really come through for us and he didn't. Or maybe it's just that when we pray, we feel like that God doesn't hear us or we're just talking to the walls. How many people like me, you struggle sometimes when you close your eyes to pray, you think like, where did I put my keys? Did I leave the iron on? You're like me. I actually pray with my eyes open now because like I just can't, I can't focus with my eyes closed. It's really weird, but we all kind of struggle We struggle with prayer in some way or another, and so I don't think we can ever get enough help, enough encouragement, enough guidance on how to pray better, how to pray more effectively. Here's what I know to be true. I know that if you felt like more prayers were being answered, you'd pray more. I mean, all of us, if you have any belief in God, any connection to religion, you, you, you wanna pray, you wanna talk to God, but I think, Feeling like it doesn't work sometimes keeps us from praying more. But if you really felt like, and you saw, and you knew that you prayed, and God was answering your prayers, you'd pray more. Um, when we were pregnant, when 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 Andrea was pregnant for with Solomon, that was our third kid, uh, we knew that she was pregnant uh, two weeks before our kids knew because you know if you tell the kids, they're going to tell everybody, and so um, we knew. And Sadie had been saying, like, Dad, you know, I want to, I think it'd be great to have a brother or a sister. I I want mom to get pregnant. You know, I would love for mommy to get pregnant. And so I already knew that she was pregnant. So I went to Sadie and I said, Sadie, you, you think it'd be great if mom was pregnant? And she's like, yeah. I was like, why don't we pray about that? Let's pray about it. I said, every night we're gonna pray. God, will you please put a baby in mommy's belly? Will you, will you and I'm just setting her up, right? I'm like, God, will you just put a baby in mommy's belly, help her to get pregnant? So every night we'd pray, two weeks, you know, we'd pray. And so one night we're sitting on the living room and I said, I said, Sadie, do you remember what we've been praying about? She's like, yeah, yeah, we've been praying that mommy get pregnant. I said, ask her, ask her. She said, mom, is there a baby in your belly? And mommy said, that's right. I said, Sadie, how did that happen? Which is a dangerous question. And she said, We've been praying about it. Here's my point I, like it was a setup, but I think sometimes God wants to set us up. And I think that if we felt like prayers were being answered, we would pray more. And so, what I want to talk about today is how to pray prayers that get God's attention. How to pray prayers that get God's attention. I read this quote or this prayer the other day in a book I was reading. I thought it was pretty good. Irma Bombeck said, Lord, if you can't make me thin, then make my friends look fat. That's a pretty good prayer. If you can't make me thin, make Okay, never mind. Uh, anyway, so I want to talk to you today out of Luke chapter 18 because Luke 18 actually gives us some principles. It gives us some, some help in how to pray prayers that get God's attention. Now, what I'm not giving you today is some kind of formula. I'm not giving you a magic uh, type of prayer that if you do it this way every time that you're gonna somehow get the outcome that you want because that's not how prayer works and that's not even ultimately the purpose of prayer. But I do believe that Luke 18 helps us and gives us some some principles and some pointers and how to pray prayers that get God's attention because we're gonna look at three stories in Luke 18 and in every story, these people... Get the attention of God or Jesus. And so as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking, okay, well, what were they doing that we could do that would make us feel like when we pray, we, uh, we get God's attention. When we pray, we get God's attention. So we're going to jump in. Luke chapter 18, going to start with the first story in verse one. I want to encourage you to write these down, take some notes, put them somewhere where you can use them because I think it's going to help you, all right? The first way that we need to pray or the first thing that we need to do when we pray If we wanna get God's attention is we need to have persistence or pray with persistence. Luke 18 verse one says this. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city and he said, uh, Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. This dude sounds like a real winner. Uh, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Verse six, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think, so don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people. Look at this who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? Powerful statement, powerful sentence. This is one of the most confounding, confusing parables in the Bible, because in some way, it sounds like Jesus is saying, if you will pray long enough and annoyingly enough, God will answer the prayer just so you'll stop bothering him. That's not what he's saying. But the principle of the parable is there is power in persistence. There is power in believing in something and needing something and wanting something bad enough that you're willing to pray about it over a long period of time, day and night, day and night, day and night. Listen, God knows what we're thinking when we pray. You know that, right? Like you technically, if we're talking tech, you know, technicalities, God knows what you need before you ever say it. He knows what you need better than you know what you need. Like the Bible tells us that. But there's something about us opening our mouth and praying to God. And there's something about us repeatedly praying to God. So maybe you're in here today and you're like, well, I prayed about it a time or two. Listen, keep praying, keep praying. Here's a clue of whether or not you should be praying for it, honestly. If you find yourself not praying for it, and having to remind yourself to pray for it, you probably don't need to be praying for it. Like that's not Bible, that's my opinion. But I know for me, the things that God puts on my heart that I can't shake, that I can't, it's there, those are the things that I need to persistently, aggressively pray about day and night all the time. All the time. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. How long are you willing to pray for something? How long are you willing to pray for something? Uh, Mary Jane and Kevin Skaggs used to attend church here. They retired and moved to Nashville, but they were here for a long time. And and Mary Jane has told the story, you've heard me share it, that she prayed for, for about 20 years for her husband Kevin to be saved, to give his life to Jesus. And he would come to church every now and then, uh, periodically, a uh, Christmas or an Easter or something like that. But almost every Sunday she would wake up and her and the girls would get in the car and they would come to church and she would ask him and he would say no and they would go home and he'd be home and... You know, the way she describes it, he'd be home drinking a beer on the couch, watching football, and he didn't want anything to do with it. And she'd keep asking. She'd keep praying. She'd keep praying. She'd keep praying. She kept praying. She kept praying. She kept praying, she kept praying for 20 years. I think it was maybe 18. but somewhere around 18 to 20 years she kept praying. And one day the, the church had a friend day, which is just a day where they emphasized, you know, reaching out to family and friend and seeing if you would come. Uh, they'll come with you, and so she went to Kevin, and she said, Kevin, I know you don't normally like to do this, but it's friend day, family day, and I'd love for you to come with me and the girls, and oddly enough on that day, he said, okay, I'll do it, and he came on that day, and at the end of the message that day, he decided to stand up out of his chair, and to come down to the altar, and he gave his heart to Jesus, and if you ever met Kevin, or you know Kevin, you know that Kevin, at that point, God changed his life, and when I think of faithful people who love God faithfully, I think of Kevin and Mary Jane Skaggs. But she held on to that prayer and that promise of God and that hope for almost 20 years. How long are you willing to pray for something? How long are you willing to pray for something? If the answer from God is not no, but it's not yet, how long are you willing to pray for something? So if we want to pray prayers that get God's attention, according to Luke. Chapter 18, verse 1, the story, the first story we read, we have got to pray persistently is the word that the Bible uses. We have to pray persistently. It's not a one-time drop it in the bucket. It's not a, hey, when I think about it, it's a, no, God, this is something that I'm passionate about, I'm, I think is important that you've put on my heart, and I'm gonna pray about it day and night, all right? Second thing, the second thing we need to have when we pray, if we wanna pray prayers to get God's attention, is we need to pray with humility, pray with humility the second story in Luke 18 verse 9 says then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else two men went to the temple to pray verse 10 says one was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. That's just cold-blooded, like to be in church and like say to God, like, God, thank you. I'm not like that person right over there. That's, that's, that's dirty. And um, he says, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. I mean, this guy is like a perfect cookie-cutter Christian guy, but he's got pride. 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. So don't miss what what Jesus is saying here. He said two guys went into the temple, two guys prayed, but only one guy got God's attention. And it was not the guy who was clean and who hadn't done anything and who tithed and who fasted. It was the guy who prayed with humility, who prayed with humility. You know, sometimes we can pray and we can think God owes us something. We can pray and think, you know what, God, I'm doing good. I've been better. I've been in church more. I'm smoking less. I'm drinking less. I'm cursing less. I was nice to my mother-in-law. All right, I need you to you know, answer this prayer, God, you kind of owe me. You know, we can feel that way sometimes. Can I tell you something? God doesn't owe you anything, anything. If he never answered another prayer for me, if he never blessed me with anything else ever again, can I tell you that I don't deserve it and I've already gotten more grace and more mercy and more answered prayers and more blessing than I could ever imagine? It's not unfair. Can I tell you what's unfair? Grace and mercy, that's what's unfair. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. And so I've gotta come into prayer with a humble heart. I've gotta come into prayer with humility. Can I tell you, the best way to enter into a humble place, a a place of humility for your prayer is really just to start off with thanksgiving. It's just to start off, the Bible says to enter his courts with thanksgiving. It's just to start off thanking God for anything and everything you can think of that you need to thank him for. Think and thank him for. So for me, I just start off praying saying, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for not disqualifying me when I disqualified myself. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this church, God. Thank you for, for loving me and speaking to me and guiding me, thank you. I just, just anything I can think of, God, thank you. Thank you, God. And by doing that, I'm reminding myself that everything that I have is from God. I'm putting him in his place of honor and I'm putting me in my place of humility. That I'm coming to God and yeah, I'm asking and I'm requesting, but more than anything else, God, I just want you to know I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Humility. When my mom passed away about five years ago, we were at her funeral, uh, actually her second funeral, my dad's job and just, our family knows so many people, crazy as it sounds, actually, I had to have two funerals. And so we were in the second funeral, which was in Tennessee. And my, my brother, myself, and my dad preached my mom's funeral, uh, 10 minutes apiece. And when we got done, my dad got done, and he called the family up on the stage. At that time, it was just me, Andrea, and Sadie, and then my brother had his family. He called us up on the stage. We're standing up there together, and I'll never forget what he said. Here's a man who had lost his wife of over 25 years who thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people around the world had been praying for her healing. People who meant well had said God had told him she was gonna be healed and all this stuff that you know people mean well, but whatever. And we're standing up on the stage and my dad says, I wanna close by telling you this today. God has not done us wrong. He hasn't done us wrong. God is a good God. And he did not answer the prayer the way that we were asking him to pray that prayer. But can I tell you something? God has been good to this family. And I was standing there holding Sadie and just thinking, here's a guy who just lost his wife, who prayed, who fasted, believed for 22 months. And he's standing here with a humble heart. He's standing here in humility and he's saying, God did not owe me and God has been good to me. Can I tell you that humility gets God's attention? Humility gets God's attention and it's so hard. Sometimes the more longer you serve God, the easier it is to be trapped by pride because you're better than you used to be. Can I tell you why you're better than you used to be? Grace and mercy, God, it's not because of you. So we have to enter into prayer with humility. Enter into prayer with humility. How much time do you spend thanking God, being thankful? I think it would be a great exercise for you to just sit down soon and just write down everything you're thankful for and then just stick it everywhere you can. And every time you see it, just list about six of them off to God. God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So we're talking about prayer and prayers to get God's attention. We want to have humility. We need to pray with persistence. The third thing, the third thing that Luke 18 teaches us if we want to get God's attention with our prayers is we got to pray with passion. We've got to pray passionate, Prayers, Luke 18, verse 35, skipping over a little bit in 35, it says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's not how he said it, though, because the Bible says he began shouting. So everybody else is talking like I'm talking right now, and this guy says, Jesus! That's how he's talking. And so the people in the front are like, be quiet. They're not the blind people, but they got there early and got the front row. They're the season ticket holders. They said, be quiet. The people in front of him, yelled, have you ever been at a game and you're standing up excited and the idiot behind you wants you to sit down? Anybody ever been at a game like that? And I'm like, bro, we're at a game. We paid money for it. Anyway, that's a separate talk. All right, so. All right. So he's they say, Be quiet. The people at the front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David! He's yelling louder. And when Jesus heard him, which I would take to mean that if he wouldn't have been yelling, Jesus wouldn't have heard him. Can't prove that. He stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, Okay. Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. Listen, here's what I take away from this story. If this dude wouldn't have yelled, he doesn't get healed. That's what, I mean, I can't prove that. The Bible doesn't say that, but there was lots of people around and he's sitting over here on the side and people said, be quiet. And he yelled all the louder. Here's what I know, passion gets God's attention. Passion gets God's attention. And in order for you to be passionate about God, here's what I've learned, you've gotta get outside of your comfort zone. I don't know why it's natural to be passionate about sports, but it's not natural to be passionate about God. That's just the reality of life. I high-five strangers and hug strangers at a basketball game when we hit a game-winning shot. Nobody has to teach me or tell me how to do that. I yell, I scream, I stomp, nobody had to teach me how to do that. It's just a natural part of who I am and I grew up with preachers making me feel guilty about it. How come I'm not more excited about God as am I am? I don't know why, it just feels more natural to do that. You know what I've learned about me? If I wanna be passionate about God, I have to be in some uncomfortable places and get outside of my comfort zone. It feels weird for me to pray loudly. I don't know why it does, it just does. It doesn't feel weird to yell at the Yum Center, but it feels weird to pray out loud, loudly. But I gotta get outside of my comfort zone. And so God wants us to pray with passion because passion gets his attention. James 5.16 says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man does much. That's the New King James. Psalm 62.8 says, O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. Pour out your heart to him. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Passion can look a lot of different ways. Listen, you most of you who know me know that like my emotional meter doesn't move that much. Like the difference between me being pumped and mad is like not that much. Like it's just kind of, I am what I am, and I kind of tortoise in the hair, I'm the tortoise. You know, it's just kind of what I do. But he wins every time. But anyway, so um, but and so some of you are in here and you're like, well, Jason, I'm just not that a passionate guy, I'm not that excited. I understand that, it goes back to what I just said. You you gotta figure out, you do show passion somehow. So one of the ways I show passion is through time. You know I'm passionate about something when I give a ton of my time to it. When I get passionate about a book, I don't stop till it's finished. When I get passionate about a restaurant, I ate there four days a week. When I get passionate about a relationship, we talk all the time. When I get passionate about something on my laptop, I go to bed at 4 a.m. that night because I wanna get it done. If I get passionate about something on TV, on Netflix, I watch 11 in a row. So one of the ways that I know that I'm passionate is time. Okay, well then one of the ways that I show passion to God is time. That's one of the ways I show passion. Now, some of you guys, you cry and you scream and you yell. You're just passionate people. And I love that about you. I'm married to one. So the way that you're gonna show passion to God is through jumping, yelling, clapping, screaming, crying, because that's the way that you show passion. I'm not telling you today how to show passion. I'm just saying passion gets God's attention. And so for me, one of the ways that I show God that I'm passionate about prayer is I pray for longer periods of time. That has not always been the case for me. I would say, and I'll tell you this in a second, up to about three years ago, I struggled to pray five minutes at a time but I gotta get outside of my comfort zone. I gotta figure out a way to get better at that because that's one of the ways that I show passion. Passionate prayers get God's attention. Passion gets God's attention. Passionate prayers are not always positive passion. Sometimes they're prayers of desperation. Sometimes the most passionate prayers we pray are prayers of desperation. If you were here a couple months ago, Amy Lacefield, Devin and Amy serve on our team here at the church and Amy shared her hope story And Amy grew up in a Christian home, a pastor's home, but teenage years she got away and she got hooked on drugs and she tells the story that uh, on New Year's Eve one night she was in a motel room and she had been doing cocaine and and she had run out and, and so she was so desperate to find more that she was down on all fours crawling in the room, sniffing and searching the carpet for just another little hit of cocaine. And she said when she was down on the floor, like the story of the prodigal son, because she knew better and she had that heritage and those prayers for her life, as she was down on the floor, she said something just hit her. She said this in her video. Something just came to me and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're crawling on the floor in the carpet for a hit of cocaine. What are you doing? And she said, I broke in that moment and I looked up to God and I said, God, you have got to help me. Sometimes that's the most passionate prayer you can pray. God, you have got to help me. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to do this anymore. God, somehow, miraculously, you have got to help me to get away from this. And she said two days later, she found out she was pregnant with her first child. And she never did it again. She said it gave her a focus, a passion, something else for a reason not to do it. And everybody's story is not that story, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying that passionate prayers get God's attention. And I'm not trying to offend anybody in here who you know learned how to pray certain um, repeatable prayers or certain prayers that you were taught as a kid. I I think pray it, do it. But come on, I mean, you know, two minutes. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. Give us this day our daily. Not not give us this. The Lord's Prayer, but like, bless this food to eat. Like, come on, we got to pray with a little more passion than that. If we really, the Bible says to come boldly to the throne of grace. Like we, we've got to, something has to matter to us enough spiritually that we would be willing to pour out our heart to God and pray passionately and get done and realize, oh my goodness, it's been 40 minutes. Oh my goodness, it's been 60 minutes. Oh my goodness, it's been all night long, whatever it is. Because we pray with passion, tears, loud volume. I'm, up, I'm pushing some of you today to get out of your comfort zone. Start praying out loud. Start praying with a volume. Start, start praying with a volume. It's passion. Don't be afraid of passion. When you see me pray, sometimes I'm pacing. Like I'm kind of walking down here on Thursdays when we pray. I'm just kind of praying. I'm just, I'm just kind of walking a little bit. Not because like God's making me do that, but just, it's just a way that I'm kind of staying in it. I want to pray with some energy. I want to pray with some passion. If I sit down, close my eyes, I start thinking about, you know, whatever, and I lose it. So, I want you to pray the passion. And then the last thing is this prayers that get God's attention, prayer and prayers that get God's attention. The last thing is we need to pray specific prayers. Specific prayers. God is not intimidated by specific prayers. Same story Luke 18, 35 through 42. He gets God's attention, the blind man. Jesus walks over and Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus says, What do you want? That's a great question that God's asking you today. What do you want? If he could only answer one prayer, if he showed up today and he said, I'm going to do for you what you want me to do, what do you want? Some of us don't even know what we want. He says, What do you want? Sadie prays passionate prayers. She told me after watching Frozen for the hundredth time, she said, Daddy, I'm praying that God would give me ice powers. I want God to give me ice powers. I said, Buddy, keep praying. I mean, you know, whatever, just we'll see. We got to know what we want. We got to know what we want. I, I keep a journal. You've heard me talk about it. I keep a prayer journal. When somebody wants me to pray about something, I put it on a list. I write it down as specifically as I possibly can because I wanna know if God answers it. How do you, some prayers we pray are so vague, we don't know if God answers it. You know, God just helped my marriage. Well, how do you know if he's helping? What do you mean, help my marriage? You know, like, let's get specific. You know, God, help me not to fight with my spouse today. Well, you know, if you lay down tonight and you haven't fought, guess what? Answered prayer. Like, like whatever it is, like don't pray these vague prayers. I think God is, God is bothered by small prayers, not big prayers. I think God is bothered by vague prayers, not specific prayers. Listen, he may not do it. He may not do it. So what? So what? But if he does, you'll know he does it because it was a specific prayer. I love to go back every two or three months and look through my prayer journal and take a highlighter and highlight every prayer that God has answered. I've told you about this before. But it's great because what I'm learning is that God answers so many of my prayers. But until I started writing them down, looking back and highlighting them, I forgot that I had prayed them. I moved on. And so I went back and looked the other day from prayers I was praying in August of 2015 And I had 17 prayers written down. And the day that I looked back, I realized that I could highlight seven of them. God had answered seven of those 17 prayers. If I would have never looked back, I would have never known that God had answered those prayers. And so we need to be specific. Keep a prayer list. Call people by name. Call things by name. My grandmother, you hear me talk about so often, she has kept a prayer journal her whole life. She's got this journal. It's like, I mean, it's like, It's crazy. She writes it down. And I'll call her and say, hey, be praying for this. She'll write it down. She never makes me feel dumb about whatever I'm asking. She just writes it down and she starts praying for it. If God answered your prayer, would you know that he answered it? Or do you need to be more specific? Don't feel bad. You're not being selfish. You're not being needy. Tell God what you need. When people come to me and say, I'm praying for a new job, I say, what kind of job? How much money do you want to make? Do you want to work on the weekends? Are you wanting third shift or are you wanting first shift? Okay, God, I'm praying for so and so to get the first shift job that pays twenty dollars an hour. They may get a second shift job that pays thirteen, but at least I'll know. But I think God says, okay, so we're looking for a first shift job that pays twenty dollars an hour, and now we know. So we got to pray. We got to pray uh, specific prayers. We want to pray with persistence wanna pray with persistence. wanna pray with humility. wanna pray with passion. wanna pray specific prayers because these are the types of things that according to Luke 18, get God's attention. So I just wanna challenge you today. As we enter into these 21 days, push you out of your comfort zone. We said last week, our comfort zone is where we rust. The stretching is where God grows us. So wherever you're at right now, what step do you need to take? Do You need to start praying out loud? You need to start writing down your prayers? How are you gonna fast? What are you gonna give up? What what is the step that you can take? How can you be more passionate in your prayers? As a part of these 21 days of prayer and fasting that we do, we we come in together on Wednesday nights. We normally don't do Wednesday night church, but we come together on Wednesday nights. John and the team lead us in a song or two, and then we come together. There's usually 25, 35, 45 of us here, and, and we pray. You don't have to be doing the fast to be a part of that. Just show up. We get in groups. We get in huddles. We have things around the room that we pray for. We pray out loud. Maybe that's out of your comfort zone. Do it. Do it. Pray with passion. Pray with humility. Pray with persistence. What dream do you need to get back out of the attic? What prayer needs to get back out of the attic and you need to start praying for it again? Praying for it again. What do you need God to do? Let's pray.